Time to talk about the Rule 5 draft results and what these players might provide you in your dynasty leagues. It's time for Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Zach Pop that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs here, joined again from the murder room, Robbie Baseball. How you doing tonight, Robbie? I'm good, thanks, Ty. I'm wearing <clears throat> my Hayden Christensen cardigan which from some Twitter conversation uh, earlier tonight where they were discussing Star Wars and that he's going to be returning as Darth Vader and some other people will be coming back. There was conversation about him and um, he's a Canadian. I don't know if you knew that, Ty, but he's a Canadian and RW and co, which is some sort of clothing company or store, whatever they are in Canada um, had him do a line of clothing. And it was once upon a time when I wanted to be hip, and I went and bought three articles of clothing, not wanting his line, but that's what I ended up buying because I thought it looked nice. And the cardigan makes me feel warm and fuzzy, just like the Rule 5 draft does. So um, that's my transition that I feel good about that. How are you, Ty? Life busy? So, life good? You, what, is it safe to say that that's a Darth Blazer? Oh, <laughs> I was just going to, I feel like I'm getting hugged by Darth Vader. That was what I said on Twitter. A nice, uh, a nice hug from Darth Vader, but I, it I, is very I'm, comfortable. I'm good, Robbie. We got baseball news left, right, and center. It's it's wonderful to see. Um, it's not just us smart people talking about it. It's there's other people too now. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to get into the off season here. We got some of our really fun big board stuff coming. The stuff that people are drooling over, and where we get to start our campaign to being right again this season, and super jacked up about it. I uh, know. Well, it's in our this... other campaign, Ty, that you just said before, the new purpose for the podcast. Yes. That we believe we should become the co general managers of the Colorado Rockies. Yes. They, I mean, we cannot do it worse than they're doing it now. So why not? So there's, and, there's our pitch. Yeah. We'll also, as we go through talking about any Rockies, uh, as time moves, moves on for us and we move forward we'll discuss what we would be doing if we were put in the position. Um, we don't need to get into it tonight with the rule five, because we're talking about how other teams have made I'm, good choices. I'm pretty sure somebody wrote a book on this. Like there was a minor league team somewhere that these guys basically ran the team and, and it was in just an like, analytics fashion. No, yeah. but they were allowed to do anything. It was just yes. don't, it, the concept was like, don't screw it up or just don't lose or something like that. I yeah. forget what, I forget what the exact model was, but great concept like and and great great read um i i don't see why not like we we basically have to reinvent a pitch that can succeed at altitude <laughs> screw so, ball we'll be getting honeywell <laughs> like like the sky ball bring me the sky ball back like imagine that five rotation pitchers with the sky <laughs> like just the ephus coming in hot it was uh the the name of the book was the only rule is it has to work that's and it. I, that I'm is it. not looking this up. This is just because I remember Ben Lindbergh and I can't remember his co-author who left and left the podcast that they were on and, and has come back. Um, awesome. I, I've listened. I listened to the first 
1200 1300 i think of episodes of that of their podcast and then <clears throat> once my mind became so embroiled they were the ones that introduced me to otani as well right um, talking about how they couldn't wait for him to come over which got me on that hype train um but yeah so yeah their their rule of thumb and which in, it was a independent ball and they ended up getting <clears throat> uh, second place which they thought was really really good for them and then they followed up but the year after uh, the team won with a regular manager and traditional methods of baseball. So they did all this work to, you know, do all these things in the quote, right, right way, best way to win. And then just somebody came in next year and like managed the team to victory now completely different roster. Cause that's one of the things with that league is that they had like an annual draft and they had Jose Canseco come in to do like a weekend thing and a home run contest or whatever it was. So, uh, but yeah, good, good book. Ben, I don't know if it was Ben Baller. No, that's that's not right. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that we'll get our chance, Ty. We'll get we'll get to do that. We, we just have to have a lot of podcast episodes before an owner or the owners of the Rockies can say, "Hey." Well, and I think we'd be able to make a movie about it too, because the one thing we have down pat that every serious movie has is that we like to have alcohol in stressful moments. So I'm just envisioning us in the front office, looking over the field with our glass of whatever we're drinking. Dude, it's Coors Field. We're popping rocks. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. We're not even going to be allowed to talk about our our hard alcohol. Like, it, we'll have like, to have like, yeah, you'll be allowed. You know to. those cans that you soup like you put over top of whatever you're actually drinking. Right. Yeah, yeah, it looks like uh, a Coke bottle, but it's really your uh, tall boy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, well, let's do that on, ourselves. On that note, let's. Yeah, I agree. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Oh, mine was really good tonight. (laughs) See, I can't even hear yours. No, it didn't make noise. I tried to do it. Mine's a twist top, but I just tried to do it with my wedding ring. Um, Yeah. It hurt. Doesn't work the same. Doesn't you don't work. have you don't have the cool like popping mechanism yet. It's not the ring. It's the uh, I think it's the screw top. I think if I had like a Corona or something like that, that that would be that like anything that was uh, pop that that would probably work better. But well, yeah, I just, grew up with hurt. a guy that used to do it with his butt. He would just twist top it on his ass cheek. Were and... you drinking those? No, God no, no, <laughs> like. But and it was a funny little party trick when we were like 15 and 16. And then as we got a little bit older, we're like, eh, this Do you want to really... stop doing that? Yeah. Like, this is weird, man. Let's, let's cut it out. <laughs> yeah. uh, but speaking of weird rule five draft, let's go. Um, it, it's, it's become something. And, and I listened to a couple minutes of one of the MLB.com podcasts and they had uh, Callis and Mayo on, and they were talking about the rule five and, and apparently Callis just hates the rule five draft just absolutely hates it. He went on Apparently a lot it. of people do. Yep. It, it has lost its muster. Like I, I do think that they need to make a change to it. Um, I, I think it should be about progression. I'll make this suggestion really quickly. Like instead of making it about years, make it about movement and, and you should have to move guys forward in a progressive pattern. And if they don't follow a certain guideline, then they're exposed regardless of age, regardless of years of contract. Like if you draft, a 21 year old out of college or a 22 year old out of college and you don't move them for two years, 
then they should be exposed to the draft because that kid's now 24 and his development timeline is going to go away. So if you wait till he's 26 to send him to another team, his, his likelihood of being a successful MLB is gone. Like it's, it's pretty much over. So I'd like to see that introduced because I think it solves more of the issue. And I think it would reinvigorate the rule five. That's a really interesting concept to break that all down, to get a true kind of timeline for it. That would be really interesting. I know, I know the reason that they say it now is somewhat along the lines of what you've said is that if you draft a college player, you have three years to get them on the 40 man, which that's progression. Um, Mm -hmm. High schoolers, four years and international, I think it's four as well. Um, but but I'd like to see it two. Two for college guys. It's not enough time. I, like I don't disagree. I, I don't I think also when you make it because it's such a it's such a catch twenty two, right? You make the rule across the league so everyone now is under the same parameters. So teams yeah. and GMs and whatever would be like, Whoa, 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 I don't like this, I don't like this. But at the same time, it's like when there's a rule change in your dynasty league and you're like, Well, hold on, this doesn't help me. But you also have to look at the landscape of your entire league and think, well, wait a second. I can also benefit from this. I know it's hurting me today, but and, it might help me tomorrow. Here's the best part. And this is my one of my biggest reasons for this suggestion is that it also helps nip the um, signability as well. Because if you give them longer time to develop in an organization, if they sign out of high school, then you're going to get the opportunity to make sure that people aren't haggling over like 900,000 versus a million dollars, right. Is, is going to be a very um, insignificant gap in this new model, because if they're going to college, they're going to be great. Right. And, and you're, you can't just get drafted out of high school anymore for the sake of taking them out of contention on another squad. Right. Um, Cause that happens, right. There's guys that get drafted by teams they're not supposed to, and other teams were going to sign them and they had, you know, something set up. Right. So in this perspective, only the best high school players are going to get drafted because they're not going to want to waste those rosters. Right. And then those people that are on the fringe of like, they got picked up early on are, are not going to, to haggle. They're going to be like, okay, this is either a real thing or I'm going to college. And it takes away that whole guessing game for major league teams. And then you don't need 40 rounds. You need 20. So I know you're a proponent of cutting down your rounds. So that's a good way to do it. I think. Yeah, I, well, I was just going to say to your point, if they cut down, um, there was discussion between, you know, repeating, or sorry, not repeating, but going from between 10, 15 to 20 rounds as a max, that would automatically, ideally, cut out some of that BS that you're talking about. Uh, but I, I just hate the fact that teams can't draft the best player that they that they want. And anything that's going to help that, to me, is fine. But that goes for the same. The only way to really do that is to go universal. Uh, like worldwide draft and that's just not going to happen because of all the different things that go on within you know baseball like it would take a generation to be able to sort that out to make that a level playing field because you can't have 16 year olds and 22 year olds and all those other you know things getting drafted I know in um, NHL you, you can be drafted and go back to your amateur team you can't do that in in pro baseball you're drafted you have to become a professional so a high school player can't be drafted and then go off and play a year or two at college and a college player can't go back for their senior year or anything like that yeah but the developmental leagues are different in those sports though right like there's different like hockey is a great example like the developmental cycle in hockey is probably in my opinion the best in the world right like in terms of getting kids from their age 17 to the pro level i think hockey does that the best and you've really? seen it like a lot. Uh, yeah. You've seen it though. Like what sport has the most effective 21 year olds hockey. 
It's not even close. Like NBA has a couple here and there, but like Mm -hmm. baseball has a very small percentage of the overall talent age 21, right? 22, 23, you start to see a big jump. 24 is a huge jump, right? But 21 hockey, probably percentage of total players like base baseball is not ahead of hockey, not even close. Oh, I don't think they're ahead. I just, I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I haven't looked into it to say it. So anyway, we can, we can get into that in January because January or, or when the Rockies hire us either or, and then, but then, then we'll go behind some type of like paywall. We'll still do the podcast. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We're not running a paywall now. <laughs> oh shoot. I've been meaning to talk to you about that time. Uh, I'm no good at internet. So this thing's been free the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it before we kill too much more time here. Sure. Uh, so last year, first overall, yeah, go ahead, Robbie. Last, I just want to recap. Last year, we did a lot of work. We got one guy, um, oh, yeah. one of the guys that we talked about. Oh yeah, we were not skunked. One of the guys that we talked about last year that was not taken uh, until this year was Jordan Sheffield of the Dodgers, a relief pitcher. He was on their sixty man this year, but he was. So we're gonna uh, honorarily put him on the list. I still can't believe you didn't get picked last year. Honestly, it, it seemed like a good fit. I think we were trying to just make it like Sheffield and Sheffield and Seattle that that could have worked because there was plus DePoto with that bullpen. Anyway, I'm trying to reduce the DePoto talk. So um, this year we were right on two guys. Good for us. Uh, Akil Badu, former twin ended up in Detroit. This was something we thought was going to happen. It made sense very much last year. We were talking about Wander Javier being a possible obvious pickup at the same time. Wander Javier's, you know, gotten progressively worse and then didn't have a season this year to put a stat line together, but Badu coming back from Tommy John will be in Detroit. Um, there's playing time available in Detroit. So let's hope for good things. We'll talk about him in a moment. The other guy is Brett Tegaus, the former Dodger. Uh, he went, excuse me, to Texas, I believe. Let me just check uh, my notes because I had some. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he did go to the Rangers uh, with the second pick. So good for us this year. We got two guys right and honorarily a third because, Ty, you did mention. um, Who was the guy that you had mentioned that we didn't didn't officially put him in? And you said, oh, I mentioned that guy. Oh, Garrett Whitlock. Whitlock. Okay. Yeah. Right. He, See, I, I, mean, I still can't did, even remember him now. I'm still thinking Whitley. We did officially mention him though. I like yeah? I okay. threw him in. He just wasn't end. written down. Yeah. I, no, he was. I thought I had him on the list. I'm pretty sure he was on the list. You had a different. You had you had a couple of rays. I thought that that doesn't matter. But you 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 were on him, so that's good. So we're giving ourselves three for this year plus one for last year, which means we are four times better than 2019's Rule Five. So that means we're making you better hopefully four times better. So let's go through them all here, Ty. Um, I'll start it off real quick with Jose Soriano, um, a relief pitcher for the Angels, not actually, you know, whatever, formerly of the Angels, now a pirate. Uh, I can absolutely see Soriano being an eighth inning guy, ninth inning guy. Now he will start this year on the IL and some of the reports that I've read, which are brief, of course, since it all just happened today, are that that was part of the plan for the Pirates was to get him and put him on the IL because then you don't have to give him a roster spot. So, okay, Ben Charrington, good chess move right there. But the other thing is that Soriano's coming back from Tommy John. So he's going to need that professional rehab that the Pirates should be able to offer him at the MLB level, which nobody else gets. You know, Jamison Tyon um, should be, you know, the first person that Soriano's talking to and saying, you know, what should I expect and blah, blah, blah. And then Tyon can talk him through it all because Tyon is now back, baby. Um, 
but Soriano is a good pick. High, high velo guy. Obviously the odds are that's going to be low velo this year. So low expectation in some 30 team leagues. I've checked high, uh, only one 30 team league out of the seven that I have access to Soriano is taken. So he's probably in your league too, or one of your big leagues too, available for you this year. He's not going to be taken very high. The fact that he's injured, the hype after being picked first is going to go away. Ronnie Garcia was picked first last year to the Tigers. His hype was long gone within a month, which is when a lot of the rookie drafts take place. Uh, the next guy, Brett Deguse, going to the Rangers. You know, he's he's good. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything bad about the guy. Like, obviously, these guys have warts. I think he was on the 60-man for the Dodgers. There was talk of him possibly uh, getting into games last year, but the Rangers clearly looking to take chances on guys in the bullpens where they always do it. That's what we talked about with the rule five, 13 of the 18 guys taken were, uh, pitchers. That's the most players taken at the MLB level in the rule five since 17. Um, and yeah, Soriano and Degos get us out of the gate. So Ty, you had a little bit on the third guy, the Tigers took a kill Yeah. I mean, Badu is, is a guy that physically, uh, has some ability. Like I, I think a lot of people are looking at him like an Anthony Alford, right? Like a guy that has the physical tools, uh, the makeup to be successful, just hasn't put it together yet. And I just, I don't love the swing. The swing for me is, is the wart. And I don't know that you can fix it. I, I don't think the Tigers have the luxury of putting him out there on a, on a really bad team, unless, unless they're trying to scar their young starting pitchers forever. Um, I, I just don't know. Like, unless they, unless he, they think he can be that good of a defender, which he does have above average tools out there. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I don't see him sticking with the Tigers. I could see him having a mysterious injury and sticking potentially, but I, I could see him being returned And most position players are right. Like very few position players in this modern era stick. So I would be surprised if we see Badu as a tiger at the end of 21 here. Yeah, I see the opportunity here for him. Now, again, he comes back, he's healthy. This is a guy that can swipe bags. In your dynasty leagues, he is probably all no because he's had prospect hype for a couple of years. So the odds of you being able to get him now are kind of lessened, unfortunately, because the rule five has got his name back up. So now, you know, he's potentially drumming up some interest in your leagues. I'm not going to pursue him. I know it's Detroit, but that doesn't mean just because the team doesn't appear to be strong out of the gate doesn't mean they're going to give playing time to everybody along the way. There was talk that Ronnie Garcia was going to start last year until we got to spring training. And then it was basically like a couple of interviews like, no, like Garcia is coming out of the pen for us. Like he's got, he's got to learn pro ball. He's got to learn at this level. And I feel like that's exactly what's going to happen with the kill. But this is they're going to come in. And I believe garden hire is the um, Tigers manager. So he may have no. had, no, Who's no, the Tigers manager? Um, the, the cheating guy from Houston. Cora? No, that was Boston. Oh, right. Oh, what's his face? Um, the cheating Jesus. guy from Houston. I Jesus. like it. I know, this sucks. Well, we're not worrying about managers. <laughs> no, I don't give a shit at all. Yeah. But this, he is good, though. This, I mean, he is a good manager. Well, my my point was basically that that he, he was going to have some somebody with some – eyes who may have seen him before to know when to put him in. So he would be, you know, uh, AJ six, Hinch. thank you. AJ Hinch, six, seventh inning, enter the game guy, not necessarily 
starting everything off, or he could go the approach of saying, well, I like the kid. Let's put him in early and then pull him later on. It's just a matter of how that roster all fills out, how Detroit fills it out. Um, but Badu, you know, I, I think Badu of all of the players, he has the best chance for the position guys to stick all year. And, and you'll see it as we go through the rest of them. Um, it's going to be tough for some of these other MLB teams to keep these guys if they're healthy. Yeah, no. And there is a couple other position players. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with you on that one, Robbie, but um, we've, we've disagreed before. Right. So it's not going to be the last time. Uh, I think there's another position player that's more likely to stick. Um, and we'll get to him a little bit later in the list. Okay. Well, Garrett Whitlock is now a Red Sox. He was a Yankee. We were both discussing that. We thought that was just funny uh, that it's nice when you can take someone from within your division for essentially free. So yep. Whitlock uh, pitcher tie, you've got a little bit on him. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, this is a guy with the frame um, to, to grow into it still a little bit, right? We've got six, five, one ninety, And we've talked about how I feel about that disproportion between weight and height like that. Um, I, I think the stuff could be here. I'd like to see him at about 15 pounds, uh, get to that 205 number at six, five. And I think, he'd be able to touch 95, 96 a little more consistently. And, and that's what I think is missing because, you know, 95 is good with an 87 mile an hour slider. 92 with the same, like 87 mile an hour slider, not as good, right? Your timing is going to be almost on point the same. It's just positional at that point. And the changeup's right there. So like if you look at 92, 87, 86, that's fastball slider change in that order that doesn't really balance things out. The The slider's good, but it's just too close speed-wise, and that's that's an issue. So you're not really fooling anybody if all they have to do is guess which pitch you're throwing, and the, and the barrel rate's going to be fairly similar, right? So that's the thing I'm looking for with Whitlock. I, I do think he has uh, a huge opportunity to stick in Boston this year because their rotation is garbage, and there's nobody stopping him from at least having a shot to pitch uh, a five out scenario and likely give him a good shot at a rotation piece. Um, and, and so I, I think it hurts the Yankees because he pretty much forced them to go out and sign a pitcher losing Tanaka, losing Paxton, losing Whitlock. Now I'm actually surprised the Yankees didn't hold on to him and put him on the 40 man just to secure a little depth. So I think this pretty much guarantees the Yankees are going to sign a starter. Um, but I like this move for the Red Sox and, and I think he's, probably in my opinion the most likely to stick on the entire list unless okay, jose soriano sneaks through on the injury side right yeah i forget he has to spend a certain percentage of the season on the active roster or go through the same thing in the following season so mm -hmm. um, there are stipulations as far as that goes uh finally on, on the yankees front they did not make a selection uh, they did have three players taken and two of them were pitchers. So to your point about depth tie, they did take a, a hit today. So Orioles took Mac Soroller is how we're going to go with it, right? Because he will be Sorolering out of the bullpen. Um, so the quick bit on the 25 year old righty uh, high a is his, his height. Uh, he was sorry, highest level. Um, he, he was a starter in 19, yeah, 117 innings, 127 Ks, a 1.11 whip, which was good. And the ERA was 369, not nice, but we say nice. Um, so this looks like, you know, just a guy who's going to be a long man out of the, out of the bullpen for the Orioles and then kind of see what happens. 
I don't see anything bad about him. Did you look, did you, do you have anything on the pitches or anything like that for him? Uh, I don't see anything here that I'm overly excited about. Like the only thing that I think is interesting is the, the, for whatever reason, the strikeout numbers have come down. Um, but the ERA has gotten just a tick up to go with that. Like it's not like the ratio of, of change doesn't make sense. Like there was a, a spike in home runs in um, 2019 because it, he moved to like more of a presence on the team. He had 20 starts in 2019 in Daytona. So, you know, he could be playing with some pitches and, and what you usually see with guys like this is maybe they made a change late in the year, added a pitch, changed a little mechanical piece, and a scout on one of these teams was like, listen, that's the thing that unlocked. And Rule 5 is a guess. Like, these guys are guessing that they've unlocked things. That's what they're trying to find. So this one for me, this early in the draft, is a weird one. So, like, I am I think they see something. They have to. If right. and, and we talked about before we went on, the new – well, the new regime in Baltimore has a – a bit of a history of finding these sort of guys. So I, I, I'm not going to say he's not going to do anything because there's a track record of the leadership coming up with these guys out of, out of from teams that think these guys are garbage. So I, I, that's the only thing I have to say here because there's, there's not a lot of really exciting stuff here. Right. The Orioles last year, I think had the second pick and they picked Brandon Bailey. Uh, They ended up with two picks last year. And prior to that, I think the year before, they picked up, uh, was it a Martin, I think was his name, an outfielder who who did stick with them throughout, but hasn't made an impact. But um, yeah, the next one is a former Oriole and probably the best name on it. Um, now, now, sorry, drafted by the D-back sixth, traded hours later, which I love. I love that a team did this. They said, you go get him because we don't think he's going to make it to us. And then we'll make a deal with you. And that is Zach Cracklepop. Um, now a member of the Marlins. So the quick bit on him recovering from Tommy John's surgery, but should be fully healthy going into spring training and seems like one of those low leverage reliever guys. They, they took Sterling sharp last year could be the, the exact same situation. So is there anything you've got on the scouting scouting report or scouting side for Mr. Pop? First off, good Canadian boy. Um, that's the first step side armor. And like the old school side armor, like no concern for the shoulder or elbow and touched 98 pre Tommy John. So we'll see what comes out in the wash after that. I mean, a Tommy John recovery guy in the rule five is, is risky to say the least. Uh, Assuming you're going to get a full season of productivity out of a guy like that. It is tricky. And so this might be one of those ones where he makes it halfway through the season the other team's roster fills up after the draft and they just say, Hey, here's some money go away to the other team. Right. Um, I, I don't know that that's going to be the case, but I, I mean, there's enough here, like the upsides there, this, the, the concern I, I mentioned in Baltimore is the short left field porch with the sidearm tailing into the right-handed bats is a problem. So for him to get moved out and end up in Miami, which has a little bit deeper left field, I think it's a pretty good landing spot for him. And if you look at what Miami did last year, uh, you got to like it. This is, this is a bold strategy from the new GM in Miami. And, and I kind of like, I kind of like it as an aggressive play, but I just don't know if it'll pay off. So we'll see. And uh, I mean, all these rule fives are kind of lottery tickets, right? So this one has maybe one of the higher ceilings of the group uh, in Zach pop. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing too, is 
you know, he goes to Miami, like you just said, Ty, they're a competitive team as the year goes on. And if he's not doing it, well, you can send him back. You know, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not going to hurt you to do that. But for a team that's got a couple of pitching prospects that could make impacts this year, um, we did something on Twitter today. I've been doing it for every MLB team. We'll continue to do it so we can discuss it when we're breaking down the teams in February. And that's, I take who I believe might be the three or four most productive pitchers in an organization. And I put the poll question on Twitter. Hey, who do you think is going to be the most uh, productive? And I use the points format because that way there, there can actually be a, a clear winner who produces the most in a point setting. And the Marlins conversation today was great. Uh, you know, we had Alcantara, um Sixto Sanchez I picked I think it was uh Trevor Rogers it was a first round pick who Fangraphs um had slated in on their depth charts as like the SP5 for them this year and um oh my goodness who was the other guy that I'm forgetting I didn't put Eliza Hernandez on which I did on purpose because I didn't know that he would be there oh Pablo Lopez was the other one because I think Pablo Lopez is sneaky good and in a points format He's the kind of guy who could chug along between 13 and 15 points per game or points per start. And over the course of five years, accumulate enough points. Now, Sixto looks like he's running away with it. And that's because people are like, oh, high upside, high upside. They're forgetting the fact that uh, Sandy Alcantara was Sixto Sanchez before he got hurt. And then Alcantara also went from 13 points per game to last year. Yes, it was short, but on a better Marlins team, he bumped up over five points per game. Um, so it's really interesting as we continue to go on. And once we are breaking down the teams and talking more about points and things, that'll be a good one. But again, for the, for the Marlins, this is a good kind of no brainer, right? Get a couple bullpen arms. They're cheap. This is the cheapest way to get guys you think can give you a competitive advantage. And as you just described from Zach pop, it sounds like he's going to put players way off balance, way off balance. I agree. I mean, assuming he, he can match the slider with the fastball tail, uh, that's really what it's going to come down to for Pop. Because the fastball will be good, but you got to have something to pair with it. Yeah. So now we can move on to the next guy. It's Jordan Sheffield, former f- first round pick. I think he was a comp round pick in 16 with the Dodgers. Um, just development didn't work well. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just looking to see where the highest level he was. He finished at double A in 19 and was converted to a relief pitcher. Now he's going to the Rockies, which doesn't sound ideal, but this is a straight relief pitcher going there. So uh, I'm looking here to try to find the case, but his last in or last year, he pitched uh, 37 innings in 18 and 55 in 19. So he should be able to go in and, and get an inning or two at a time comfortably and 74 strikeouts in those innings. So we know why he's going to Colorado, Ty, because the ball's not in play very much for Sheffield. Now, um, well, the, the only runs aren't too high. Yeah, Five, the sorry, only, Ty. yeah, the only concern I have is the curveball has a little bit of inconsistency, right? And so it is sharp. Well, that's fine, because in Colorado, it won't move. <laughs> well, <laughs> So just take but, it out of the repertoire. <laughs> but we've been talking about this for a couple of years. Like, if you look at the guys that were remotely successful and consistent, it, you look at Jeff Francis, you look at um Aaron uh remember the guy ginger guy uh what was his name what team are you talking about the Rockies righty he was there for a while shoot a gin like John Gray he's no 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 way older way older like back in like 
like Dante Bichette might have still been hanging around. There. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Aaron, it was Aaron. Jerry something. DePoto. Aaron Colorado Rockies. That's what we're searching <laughs> right now. It definitely was not Jerry DePoto. Who did Aaron, pitch for Colorado, Aaron Cook. everybody? Aaron Cook. That was the guy. Um, and, and these guys were were guys that had um a little bit slower, loopier stuff, right? And and I think this is is an interesting pick because he's a he's a 12 to 6 type curveball it's not it's not a 12 to 6 officially but it spins a little bit like that and and i think there might be something to that strategy we've talked about the sinker potentially but like if you look at like a j hap strategy like top of the zone fastball uh big overhand hook and and that might be a good next philosophy for the for the rockies to move on to with the pitching um, cause the fastball slider era is over. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> you can just talk to Wade Davis about how well that works out. That's right. So, <laughs> so I think this is an interesting pick. I, I think he could be very successful there. I'd be curious to see what they do in the upcoming draft. Like if they go hammer fastball curveball guys, no, like moving back to maybe the they're thinking it right. Yeah. Or the EFIS, whatever. One of those two things has to work. Um, <clears throat> but, but he's an interesting guy. Like there, there's enough here. We liked him last year. I like him a little bit less in Colorado, but but it'll be interesting to see if he can succeed here because he was stuck in, in Los Angeles. There's no questions about that. Definitely. So we'll go a bit quicker now that we're outside of the guys that, whatever, the t- more talking points. Zach Pop was probably the one that I was most intrigued by because he's got that different approach, right? That was the big thing. Jordan Sheffield, high K guy. Jose Rivera is the next guy, former Astro, now with the Angels. He's an RP as well. In I mean, starter, but converted uh, in 19 he had 39 sorry 75 and two-thirds innings um at the double a affiliate with 95 strikeouts i'm so sorry ty that was not that was a ball that was not double a i misread that so it's kind of a stretch excuse me that rivera's being taken at all obviously this is one of those deep dives where he might not make it out of spring training i'm not putting him on any of my draft cues uh maybe as a 10th round pick something like that where i'm just looking for a body, but I'm not looking for too much. Is there anything I'm going to be missing out on with Rivera who had a five and five record last year and pro career is nine and 12. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're almost not quite um, really good strikeout to walk ratio, 95 K's to 36 walks and 75 innings. Right. So the caper nine rate is really, really good, which if you look in the Astros bullpen, you'll, we'll see a lot of guys with this profile, uh, big strikeout, uh, per nine ratios. Um, the rotation has some of it Frombers in there. Um, and, and a couple other guys mixed in throughout that, that, um, bullpen and rotation. Um, I, I think there's a really good arm here, whether he can stick at the highest level. I don't know, but, but I think the stuff is there to survive. So uh, this is one I'm, I'm certainly watching probably more so than some of the other bullpen arms, to be honest. Okay, next guy up here, Ty, is the Mets, now Mets, a former Indian, Luis Oviedo, um, pitcher here. Now, his line does not <laughs> intrigue me whatsoever. Uh, in the Midwestern A-Ball League last year, or sorry, in 19, he was 6-6 six and six with a 538 ERA, 19 starts, but only 87. So this is, this is common because guys can only pitch, you know, three or four innings and then they're out. Um, but in 87 innings, he had 40 walks, which I'm I'm not liking the sounds of that very much. And 72K, so under a K per nine, high walk guy. Um, is it pitches? It, what is it that's getting the Mets 
in on Oviedo? And why is it that the Mets didn't just give Brad Hand $10 million? That's on. Be- Sorry, that's a question on behalf of the Mets fan base. <laughs> well, if you could answer I mean, both, <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're a Mets fan base uh, in the Mets fan base, you know it's because your administration sucks, uh, and it has for a very long time. Um, but you've got a new owner, and he's a billionaire. Yeah, exactly. He got a he got to be a billionaire because he's smart, so he's going <laughs> to probably stay that way. Uh, and 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 allegedly inside trading a bunch. So, um, but that's, that is what it is. This is an arm that I actually really like. Uh, I think there's a big arm here and I, he's, he's 21, I think going into next season. Um, and, and the arm is there. So anytime Cleveland has an arm, I'm paying attention because yeah. if there's they an get organization, a bump, right? like, like Tampa Bay is really good at stealing arms from other organizations. Cleveland is probably the best in baseball at developing them. And so any arm in their system that gets taken out, I'm, I'm watching. And in the, the high end of this arm is there. Now he's, he might be too young to be successful out of the rule five. And so I think he's going to end up back in Cleveland in all likelihood, but um, on my list, I'm seeing him in Pittsburgh. So did he get traded oh, later geez. in the day? Um, maybe he was, I don't, I just have him down as the Mets. So this is what was on MLB.com. Um, I took a screenshot halfway through today and, uh, that would have been five or six hours ago. So yeah, maybe that, maybe that did come in, but, but maybe it's just that he was, uh, like you said, he was, uh, selected and immediately traded. So, um, Luis was traded to the pirates after taking, yeah. So that did happen. So um I, this is the exact same scenario like good on Sherrington man he's he's making some noise in Pittsburgh uh, so this he, is exactly like a uh Luciano deal like when he was with the Jays not that he orchestrated right. it but he very well could have get a yeah. young guy bury him then that's bring right. him back to the minors yeah I think this I arm plays I think this arm plays at the major league level and I I don't know that it's going to be a very fun season if he has to sit on the eighth man in that bullpen but um, I, I like this arm as a major league arm uh, that okay. I will say. Okay. That's yeah, that's fair. I mean, we're, a lot of us are going to be myself included learning about some of these guys for the first time as they are getting selected here. So will vest is the next guy off the board with the Mariners at 10 from the tigers. Um, 25 year old reliever never made a start in pro ball. He's just from 17, just been an RP Decent ERA, 327, 1.22 whip, um, 58 strikeouts and 55 innings across uh, top three levels of the minors. I'm ripping that straight off of fan tracks just for anybody who's wondering why it sounds that way. You'll see it exactly like that. And that's because what I had looked up um, when I checked him out on baseball reference was that he just hasn't had a lot of innings. So I was wondering what it was that Seattle was thinking with him. The Ks are okay, you know, 21 and a third K's last year, or sorry, in 19 at high A, triple A where he finished, he only got in three games and 6.2 innings. So I wasn't really counting that, but um, you know, as the levels went up, the strikeouts per inning went down drastically for him. So, you know, I don't know what's up with, with Will Vest, if he's got something crazy, a wipeout or whatever, but this does not seem like somebody I'm really interested in myself and as a dynasty owner. Yeah. So, so what I've seen is a good change up. Um, I I think what you're going to see here 
is a guy that can keep the ball in the yard in Seattle, which if you're in that bullpen and you can keep home runs down, um, you, odds are you're going to be fairly successful. Good life on the two seam. And, and you know, from, from everything in the scouting report, like decent uh, control, I, I think the, the thing here that's going to differentiate whether he sticks or not is going to be whether he can continue to add um, value to the slider. So it, it sounds like it's a great up and coming pitch. Um, I did look for some video and I couldn't find any good quality stuff real quickly. So okay. I, he's one that I'm going to come back to, but everything that I'm seeing is good to seem a good slider. And, and it looks like this is a guy that might be a draft pick for that ballpark more so than a draft pick for his upside. And Hey, if you're in rule five, that should be the way to do it. Right. Try Absolutely. to find the guy that suits your organization. Um, and, and again, I, I don't want to harp on it, but it seems like the Mariners like to take somebody that they think needs an adjustment and can then become an effective MLB -er. Maybe this is a, a case of that. It, they, they aren't all hits with Topoto, um, but he has been right on a few guys. So And low mileage, right? Which is rare right. for 2020, right? Low mileage on this arm. But yeah, been a reliever since. So that'll move us to the Phillies new shortstop, Kyle Holder, formerly of the Yankees. So at AAA in 19, Holder got 112 games in and nothing spectacular across the board here. You know, nine dingers, 40 RBIs, 40 walks, 65 strikeouts, which is fine. Um, not, you know, not having a high K rate or anything, but the average wasn't great. It was, you know, 265 and the OPS was 742. So it's not amazing. Stolen bases were seven. He just looks like a ball player. So is he, a, do you know, Ty, is he a defensive whiz? Does he have a great eye and it just needs, you know, more exposure. What's the deal with Holder? I, I think this is a a random pick based on where the Phillies are at. Like I, I don't think this is a performance based pick. I this is the guy I alluded to earlier that I think will be the most likely position player to stick. Um, I, I think for the biggest reason is he's probably the most pro ready guy uh, of the group. Age wise, he should be. I think twenty six. For during this season so whether he turns it before or after. sorry Ty, i didn't mean to interrupt but. no and, and you are a good you're you're bang on with the defensive things so if you look at like his grades um uh, upside 70 grade fielder at the 60 arm right so what what's happening in philly though they're they lost dd in all likelihood they're not going to bring him back although him not la not signing him means there is a chance of a reunion there but then you heard all these rumors of segura being on the block a couple <clears throat> weeks ago here right um, and, and really there's just a lack of infield depth, right? You got to assume bombs there to stay. So third base is sewn up, but that middle infield is wide open. So, um, Kingery should be a guy, but he, he really hasn't stuck. So I think this is just adding a defensive guy to the mix to just make sure that regardless of what happens to them in free agency, they're going to have that extra infield, right? They've lost Cesar. Um, they're probably going to lose Didi. And they might move on from Segura while they can still recoup some value. So if that's the case, Kingery and potentially Holder are the guys. Like there's not another guy ready in Philly. So you might see them add a, a Simeon or somebody like that uh, to to give them that little extra depth, and then you can bring in Holder. The the thing that I'm I'm trying frantically to find in the background um, are some of his splits. I want to see his splits against lefties and righties because this could be just a straight platoon pickup, right? This could be a okay. righty or lefty masher. Um, and I haven't quite got to the stats yet. 
um, to determine that. So if you want to just talk randomly for 30 seconds, I can get there. Sure. I've been working on my boats. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to the next one and then we'll just circle back to Holder. So the Giants selected former Met relief pitcher, Dead Neil Nunez. That's D-E-D-N-I-E-L. Uh, and in, what were you, in 19, he pitched at both A and AA for a combined five and four record, uh, 439 ERA and 80 innings pitched. He had 94 Ks and 23 walks. So a good control strikeout to walk guy. Seems like he's just going to be another guy, you know, low leverage guy they can fill. And he's also going to be 24 to 25 at some point during this upcoming MLB season. So he's not too high up um, on the, on the chart overall, not a ground ball machine guy. So did you find your holder info? I did. And I was right. Right. Uh, Right-handed pitching uh, 291 average 803 OPS against the righties. So uh, lefty stick that lineup needs another lefty stick if they lose DD. So I I think this is, you're seeing the trend here. I I think this is going to be a platoon guy with Kingery. That's, that's what I think this is. Okay. Well, that one makes sense uh, on that front here. And um, I just mentioned Daniel Nunez of the giants, you know, a low leverage type guy, not, um, not anybody, not over, you know, not commanding stuff, but but uh, a good eye. And then I'm just about to go on to Marlins' second pick up, but their first actual pick, which is Paul Campbell, former Ray. So uh, when you look them up on Baseball Reference, there's just somebody who I think had 19 years of pro ball that ended in 1960, but that's okay. You know, we're good with I'm that. I'm just picturing a guy standing on his porch with a pitchfork. Like, that's just what Paul <laughs> Campbell sounds like. Again, um, off my lawn guy? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's poop again. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, Campbell is a 25 year old. So, not, not a, a spring chicken in the game here. He had an injury last year in spring training, didn't end up at the alternate site. So, this is certainly an interesting pick for the Marlins. However, you know, similar camps, they probably get a lot of scout eyes on them. Three, 336 ERA, 110 whip, and and the strikeouts tie, 63 and 85 and two-thirds innings. Um, I, I don't know if this is just somebody the Marlins are bringing in just to have a look, but that is not the type of guy I expect to see in a Rule 5. Uh, you know, again, we're seeing the scouting reports for everybody in the Rule 5 is low leverage. So if we're not too sure what to say, we're saying what everybody else is, and that's low leverage. So I'm just not going to concern myself with Paul Campbell. I don't I mean, think you need to either. But we've seen this trend over the last couple of years. This is, again, this is a fastball curveball guy, right? We're starting to see the push back towards curveball guys, right? Like we've seen the fastball slider mix, and we're starting to see guys learn how to hit that at the major league level. Um, this is pitchers making the adjustment. This is a more of an overhand curve, um, a ridiculously fast changeup, like touches 90. I don't know what kind of changeup touches 90 um but it's there and so i the curveball's good like it's it's sharp it, he's got it up in the scouting videos here so i think this is a guy that miami's hoping they can make a small tweak and they might have something here because the stuff's there it's location that's going to hurt this guy and just the fact that he doesn't have the k count tells me that he certainly needs to do something because it's obvious when, when it's going to be a curveball or when it's not going to be in the zone with him. Otherwise, we would see a much different outcome. So the next one up here, former Oriole, the 14th pick was the Cubbies, who picked up future ace Gray Venter, Fenter, sorry, F-E-N-T-E-R. So the 24-year-old um, 
pretty good line, actually, Ty. He had 123 Ks in 94 and a third innings. However, um, that that's for a 24-year-old at low A. So the fact that he came up to the Cubs, or is now going to come up to the Cubs, he's got a lot of maturing to do, or they really just think the stuff is there and, you know, the level he was doing it at be damned because well, the and, ERA and, and the whip are kind of irrelevant. Go ahead. And, or they just think he could throw 150 innings, which is lead their team. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe, but the, just the fact that he's at that low of a level at that age um, suggests there just isn't a lot of upside to him. Well, but and this, is, this is a high school arm, right? Like 20 out of the 2015 draft, like he's been around. Yeah, he's is he a high school arm though from 15 because he's 24. Yeah, seventh round he, 2015 MLB draft out of West West Memphis High School. Okay. In Memphis, wow. Arizona. She's okay. Well, the next guy up is the other Yankee starter that uh, left the organization and Trevor Steven, who went to the Indians. So they Indians lost a guy and they gained a guy. So that is very fun. The 25-year-old who was allegedly, I like this line, once a prominent prospect with the Yankees. I don't think so, Ty. You know why? Again, the seven leagues I looked at, he was owned in one. And guess what team owned him? Ronnie? Ronnie. The guy that, the guy that had the Yankees. <laughs> Kevin. So Kevin's a huge Yankee fan. The other guy in that league uh, is Jim. So it was between those two. And that was before I looked. And I just laughed. I'm like, of course, the one league he's going to be owned in is the one where there's like four Yankee homers. So... Um, but, but that's the thing, you know, he high, a guy, you know, fastball slider combo. We'll see what's going on here, but this just, I don't know. This isn't one to me that I'm thinking, Oh, Cleveland's going to turn this one around. But again, I'm going to watch spring training. I'm going to check and see what's going on with them. And, and if it looks like he's going to make the team, he might be somebody that I look to uh, align with in waivers or something like that. You know, this is, this is an interesting guy though. Like this, screams like from everything I can see, the stuff looks good through a no hitter in 2019 in triple a. Um, so it's yeah, not so did TJ Zoic. Sorry. He threw that in class a, I apologize. Um, yes, I agree. But TJ Zoic's actually good. Like TJ right. Zoic is, is a good pitcher. Um, I think, or this should is class- be. yeah, I think this is, this is very much in. And again, we talked about it earlier. Like, this is a guy now going to Cleveland. This is the same group that, you know, they weren't in charge at the time, but robbed San Diego of Corey Kluber, right? They stole him. And anytime they're acquiring pitchers, anytime, no matter what or how, I'm paying attention, period. Yeah, I I agree on that point for sure. That's just like, um, you know, like, well, we had talked about earlier, so we don't need to go back. You give certain organizations a little bit more of an eye when the players are headed their way. Um, you know, Matthew Libertor leaving Tampa Bay last year, people were kind of wondering what that was all about. Now, who was one of the guys that Tampa Bay picked up in that deal? Randy Arizarina. So we were watching that one closely last year. We were ahead of the curve on that one. Everybody else is now caught up. Hopefully everybody that's listening is already a Arizarina owner. You've got a share or two. And if not get ready for this off season people, cause we're going to do it all over again with new guys. The last guy on this list, um, Kaya Tom, I'm going to assume that's right. K-A apostrophe A-I Tom, center fielder, formerly of the Indians, now going to the A's. I like this one. And here's all I'm going to say, Ty, is WRC plus, because I don't like to talk about the advanced stats. I like to stick to fantasy relevant things. 
I like when you discuss um, the pitch metrics, how the combos work with guys. I also like when you discuss splits with batters. I think those are all relevant things, but when you get into certain things, you know, WRC plus and things with, you know, the X in front and the, you know, we'll bake all that stuff I think can get too convoluted, but there are certain things where you say, okay, if, if something's above a hundred or below a hundred, it's good or it's bad. So in a basic stance here, Kaya Tom at double a in 19 had a 162 WRC plus and that triple a it was 132. So Kai Tom can play baseball. It's just a matter of what, what the Indians couldn't do to put him on the 40 man that the A's plan to do at the MLB level. So Kai Tom, I'm watching. Is there anything you've picked up on him from the brief look that you probably had today for the first time that you so, like or dislike? So two things, as much as I'm watching, um, people that play or that pitch for the Indians, if they're an outfielder, I'm trading them immediately. Yeah. Um, the Indians do not have a track record of developing outfielders. They're really and, good at clogging them up <laughs> and, and burying the ones that show a little bit of upside, right? See Taylor or Tyler Naquin and, and you'll know what I'm saying. Um, this is a guy, I'm going to give you a weird profile because I think it's, he fits it. Um, left-handed Tommy fan is, is kind of what I'm, I'm seeing here. Um, very like handsy swing. Uh, it's going to be a guy that unless he's sitting on the pitch, you're not going to see the power numbers, but I think you're going to see him be a very like left center driven guy from the left side. And I, I like him as a pickup by Oakland. They're very good at finding these guys that are buried in other organizations and making them into very useful players. And like you said, like, the, the analytics show that there's some upside here and he looks like a guy in, in the video I'm watching um, that has a little bit of patience at the plate. He's going to put a lot of baseballs in play and maybe a little bit more old school than we're used to seeing in 2020. Uh, but I, I like him to be a guy that sticks uh, because I think the, they lost Robbie Grossman in Oakland. They're not going to bring him back. There's going to be a spot for some ABs in Oakland. Uh, I think that's pretty much guaranteed. So this is exactly what Oakland did. And you're right, Ty. This is what Oakland did with Mark Payton in 18. They brought up Mark Payton. He, or sorry, in 19. That he was in the Yankees organization, became a minor league free agent. He was just meddling with the Yankees. Brought him up. A AAA guy raked, hit 29 dingers in 19. Got selected in the Rule 5 draft to Cincinnati because Cincinnati wanted to get seven or eight outfielders on the major league roster, if they could sent him back to Oakland. I believe he's now back as a Cincinnati uh, red. However, that was Oakland unlocking a guy who was buried in the minors. Exactly. As you described, Tom looks like the exact same thing. He'll be 27 going into this year. He is a high average, high OPS guy, uh, 23 dingers in 19, but in 18 at 20, as a 24 year old, he only had 12. So he unlocked something could have also been that baseball. <laughs> Don't forget the baseball changed everybody. Um, and two to one strikeout to walk ratio, not bad. So you're not, I am not concerned thinking, you know, Kaya Tom is going to strike out over it. Now in all seven of the leagues, the dynasty leagues that I am in uh, 24 team, 124 team, 120 team and 530 team. Tom is available in all of them. So he's probably available in yours too. That's what happens when you're old and you have not seen uh, AAA ball until you're 25 years old. So 
absolutely somebody you could think about taking a shot on. But like, like Ty said, I think he's in Oakland because he's got the power and maybe he's going to be, um, you know, a, a, a platoon dude. Maybe they're trying to figure out what they can do with Karis Davis and maybe Kai Tom can come in to help with that, but he's a center fielder, obviously good at the position and big park. Now we know we've got Ramon Laurineo, Laurineo. I'm just going to, yeah, thank you. I'm done on him. Uh, just saying his name. Um, so we know that they've got the ability in that big park to have good outfielders and give them at bats. We'll just see what happens with Tom, but I, I don't hate Tom as a pick. There are 10 pitchers that I don't want. And I would take a chance on Tom. Cause if you get an outfielder that hits, that's awesome. That's a huge win. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I, I like Tom. I, I think he's going to get some time this year. I, I think that's the upside here. Like, if you're looking at all these guys, like, this guy might actually be able to provide some sneaky value for you. Like, pitchers, I mean, you're not really going to get the value because there's a ton of relief arms that could be better for you, right, and, and available. So, yeah. like, the risk upside out of these guys, like, Tom provides a little bit higher upside. So, um, moving ahead to a guy that is a really interesting guy on this board, um, and, and that is – uh, Tyler Wells, who is six foot eight. So anytime you have a six foot eight pitcher, uh, I'm, I'm watching just to see how, how it works. Um, <laughs> right. Because like, there's a how lot. How do going, you pitch? <laughs> there's a lot going on here. And so I, I'm intrigued, comes out of the, the Minnesota system and is heading to Baltimore. Again, talked about it earlier, that old Houston regime is now the Baltimore leadership. And um, this is a guy that, that might provide some interesting upside at six foot eight, like generally just physics says like that body frame should be able to spit out a fastball. Yeah. What John like, Roush comes to mind when I, when I think of him, but yeah, for me, Wells is just a total crapshoot. And in our one, one league 30 team, the real money auction league, um, which is a great league. We, Ty joined it this year when we didn't play or didn't play the season out, but he's, you know, getting to have the full experience that we're doing our rule five draft. Um, somebody picked whoever they picked as the first overall pick. And then the next owner up is like this kind of headliney prospect chaser guy. And he picks <laughs> Tyler Wells next after like right after he was taken in the rule five draft. And I just laughed. I'm like, no way he knew who he was. Uh, 10 minutes before he was on the clock, right? Like he must've been like, oh, whoever was taking first. Oh, that was my guy. And then like scrambles quickly. He's like, oh, relief pitcher. He's huge. <laughs> Click. I got him. So that's kind of, you know, the laughing thing here. But the Orioles did this last year. They took two guys. They're going to try them out in spring training. If they don't fit, they'll send them back. And I appreciate that. I This is exactly what Ty and I have harped on before. We want teams to take a couple of these guys and to see what they can do. And obviously we want them to stick. We want players that have warts to have those things taken care of at the major league level, develop guys at the highest level. Rule five draft is kind of like the thing we wish just existed at all times to showcase players and move them up. Um, even like a mid season rule five would be pretty interesting. If you th if you think about it, if teams had like a cut date to promote, and then if like, you know, like you were kind of describing before, like certain players of age, if you could do that in season, my God, there'd be a ton of movement. But Tyler Wells for me is nothing special, just somebody to watch. And, and I mean, absolutely got to be intimidating to see a guy that big up on the mound. So the last guy here, uh, former now former Blue Jay, uh, Danny Jimenez goes to the A's with the 18th and final pick that was in the second round of the Rule 5 draft. 
Um, so the A's got a second guy here. And Ross Atkins spoke highly of him, but certainly said he needs to get his command under control. So they they liked the, I think it was fastball slider. I think those were his pitches, um, but certainly command issues with him. And they said, you know, they, they wish him well because the Jays are in a fortunate position where they felt like it was um, a good thing that teams were wanting their players because I think they lost a few guys in the minor league draft as well. Yeah, I see they lost. So they protected a couple of catchers. And then in the minor league section of the rule five, uh, looks like the Blue Jays lost two guys, I think, three guys yeah. maybe. And um, that's something that Ross was touching on in an interview that I heard uh, on MLB TV today. So with, with Danny Jimenez, same thing, right? Bring him into camp, see what he can do. Obviously we know he needs to focus on uh, being in the zone, throwing strikes, but Jimenez is not somebody I'm going out of my way to pick up. Those are the 18 guys, Ty. It'll be great to see what happens with them. We'll certainly keep tabs on them as we go. We did last year with guys talked about whether they were useful or not. As obviously Sterling Sharp was the only one that we had an eye on for high success simply because we had mentioned him and we wanted good things, but we want half these guys to stick this year. You know, we want to see success out of these guys. And if you're picking them up or looking to pick them up in your leagues, think of them exactly like the MLB teams are don't overinvest. If it, if you got a draft universal or rookie or whatever, pick them up with kind of your final couple picks. If you think your rosters are pretty well set because these guys are dart throws, even at the MLB level, yeah. no team thinks, Oh good. I just got, uh, you know, Zach pop. My problems are solved. <laughs> you know, they're, <laughs> they're trying here. Right. And we appreciate that. And that's what we're trying to do in dynasty is help you find ways to be more competitive in your leagues. And obviously it makes you a better redraft player too. Well, I just searched long and far to find a video of Tyler Wells. And I will say there's something there. Um, big frame, really easy fastball, kind of a Pete Fairbanks. So if you look at that as the ceiling for Tyler Wells, um, still a lottery ticket. But I would say that's the kind of pitcher you're looking at with Tyler Wells. So um, it took me a while to find that video. So if you find anything else, hit me up on Twitter at Tony Boss or Robbie Baseball Uno and uh <laughs> fingers pod uh you know where to find us so uh, we are active we love you all keep it coming uh happy holidays as we move into that part of the year here and until next time it's the robin tyler on dingers this is dingers way more than fantasy baseball we keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park <laughs> let's see the stats what's the average draft position what kind of plays you making check the wins above replacement check the lineups and the points this i gotta see what's your path to victory are they aiming for a dynasty get points going head to head please don't do me no favors we're always watching waivers ain't no minor league this is major yeah dingers let's go